Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Today, we have a special guest joining us to talk about the importance of effective communication in both personal and professional life. Our guest is a renowned speaker, coach, and former TV broadcaster who has dedicated her career to helping individuals and teams craft memorable messages and deliver them with impact. Well, that's what she used to do before the before we jumped on, we changed her job, but we'll talk we about did. that a little, <laughs> a little later. Uh, with over 20 years of experience, including training professionals across multiple industries and preparing leaders for high-stake presentation and speeches, our guest is a soft, sought-after expert in the field of communication. She's going to help me learn how to speak. Uh, she has worked with organizations like HP, CBRE, and the Phoenix Children's Hospital and has taken stages, uh, taken the stage for organizations like the Society for Human Resource Management and the Vince Lombardi Cancer Foundation. Drawing from her extensive background as a national spokeswoman, TV broadcaster, and host, our guest brings a unique perspective to the art of communication. Uh, her expertise has earned her recognition as an Emmy-recognized multimedia journalist, and she holds a bachelor degree in psychology and a master's degree in media communications. She's going to completely destroy my way of thinking, probably. Not at all. <laughs> so without further ado, that lovely voice that you're hearing, it is my pleasure to, ah, my pleasure to welcome Christy Siefkin the podcast did i get it right did i mess up you anything? got it phil you got it right and you have the beautiful voice when we hopped on our first call together or zoom i guess it was yeah. my thought was this man is made for podcasting he has that sultry tone the low tones in his voice and if you ever decide my friend that this is not what you want to do uh you could absolutely do tv uh voiceovers audiobooks uh commercials you, you've got the gift you do have so the gift. I was told from a young age, well, not really young age, I want to say probably by 18, I was told by teachers, I have a voice for radio. So I've always wanted to like be on radio or do voiceovers and all that. And I always play with the tonality of my voice going really low or really high because it's so fun. I didn't um, know you had this in you. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's the first time on a podcast that I've ever done. Like, great, Christy. <laughs> my God, this episode is already uh, different than everything else, and I love it. Um, but yes, okay, enough about me. Let's. It's all about you. So let's more talk about you and not my sultry tones. We'll we'll um, circle back to that because yeah, I, yes. I don't want to give it away. But I convinced <laughs> Phil when we talked to let me ask him a few questions to turn the oh, table. As yeah. since my former life is journalism. He usually gets to ask the questions. I'm going to ask him a few questions today, which so for viewers, those who've wanted to do a deep dive into who is Phil, we know we've got, you know, the, we can look on his Instagram, we can listen to the podcast, but who is this man? Oh, We're going to get to that. That's what we call a, a, a tease in the biz. Yeah, so, that's the hook. There's the hook, the big mm -hmm, hook for you. Um, if you want to learn more about me and I don't even know. I have no idea what the questions are. So I am, and this is a professional interviewer, used to <laughs> podcast interviewers, which they don't have a level of professional, well, there is professionalism, but not journalistic professionalism like you have, Christy. So they're all going to be fun. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm positive of that. <laughs> As I say, worried. <laughs> um, Christy, I, I read off the beautiful intro that 
bio yes, that you, you guys Pat. provide. You're very welcome. You provide it. I just made it look nicer. I just re write it nicer. I don't even, oh God, that's how nervous I am. Let's nervous. do. You shouldn't be nervous. So this, I what I love nervous. that's happening, if I can take a moment, is what I see with clients all the time when you work with somebody who, whatever the expert is in their field, particularly in speech or people that have been in TV, there's this assumption that we do everything perfectly, that we our expertise is off the charts, that we're not a human being. I have messed up beyond belief in many situations, which I'm happy to share. And we get we get into our heads and are afraid that if I don't do it perfectly, oh my gosh, the judgment, and then it becomes a judgment spiral. It's a no judgment zone. And my my goal in the work I do, and, and I know we'll talk more about this, but is genuinely to help people with whatever their goal is. So it's the job promotion. It's the media tour. If they're doing media interviews, it's being a better podcaster, a better communicator in their relationships. All of that starts with just accepting that the version of you, who you are right now, is great. And it's just fine tuning things. So Phil, I know you're outstanding. And I'm not saying, I, I so admire all the podcasts you have, your business mind, all of that. So let's let today be a teachable moment for everybody listening. And, and we'll start with the acceptance of fumbling and mumbling when we feel all eyes are on us is totally natural. Totally natural. It's funny because right now when this goes out, there's going to be hundreds of eyes. Right now, there's only your eyes. And so it's like, and the only reason I feel, and I know this, the only reason that I feel like judge is because you have something that I've always wanted. You've been on national television. You've been in front of millions of people, whereas I've been in front of hundreds of people. So your so level, far. so far, yes, so yeah. far, your level of expertise is slightly higher. So I'm like, I have to be perfect. So I have to show her that I'm doing everything. <laughs> and the fact that you just said, no, we, we mess up and we flub up all the oh, time. It was all like, the time. Okay, I got this. It's cool. Oh yeah, I know what I'm doing. It's a podcast. I've done hundreds of podcasts. You are the expert. I have. I haven't done hundreds of podcasts. And when you talk about all of your strategy that you shared with me of working with guests and your businesses, I look at that. And if you said, Christy, you know, outline all of this for me, how you're digitizing X Y Z things, I would be going, uh, 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 because it's not my expertise. Right. So that's where just this is where the psychology background comes in and it really informs everything I do with people like you're all this doesn't mean I don't want this to come off woo woo, but you all have those core passions and gifts. Focus on those and the areas that you need help with. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know this. And that's been a big part of my entrepreneurial journey is, hey, I don't have a business degree. I've never run a business before. All I did know was my communications background. So when I launched my business, I had major imposter syndrome. And I was afraid when I would sit down with people that had, you know, four or five different podcasts that they run or people that, uh, you know, have had multiple companies. I'm going to sound like an idiot when I ask this question. They're going to think, uh, you know, oh, this is a stupid idea. Why did I even think I could run a business? So I've done it to myself in that context. People do it to themselves in speaking all the time. And it's not just the person who's fresh out of college or maybe even mid-career. I've seen your executives that will, once we get to know each other, open up and they share the this huge fear of the judgment, of being seen that they're not the expert, um, of being liked. We're all that little kid on the playground who still wants to be picked for kickball, right? That like sits as a core of, of all of us. And speaking, unfortunately, or fortunately, if you know how to do it well, 
puts you with all eyes on you where you're in this moment of judgment thinking, if this doesn't go well, if my audience doesn't like it, if they go to their phone, if they tune out, does this show that I'm, I'm that kid who wasn't picked? I'm not liked, I'm not validated, I'm not valuable. It really is so much of the work I do. It's tactical around communications, but it really is. It's a lot of core work. So you've got it, my friend. You have all the gift and the skill. This is just a space for us to to play and talk about, you know, my fumbles and stumbles, <laughs> challenges I've seen other people have. I'm I'm an open book because I I want to help people. That's why I left my my career to start this. So yeah, I want to I want to talk about that because you had a very illustrious career as a TV broadcaster and as a journalist, and then you decided to say, "Hey, screw this! Let's try this <laughs> entrepreneurial thing, which is more stress than I've ever had in my yep. life." Speaking from personal experience, I, I don't oh, know yeah. about you. Oh, hundred um, percent. Yes. And the imposter syndrome that pops yes. up because you're like, no, I, I'm an employee. I've only been an employee. That's what yeah. we've been. And what's really funny is I've been wa watching stuff on the way the education system is and all this. Cause I'm looking at, it, I'm like, it doesn't teach us the stuff that we need to know. And I'm like, wow, it really looks like a job anyways. So you do, it, it does eight hours, you know, three oh, yeah. breaks. Hmm. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Anyways. Um, so but you decided chocolate milk. Well, I don't know. In Canada, do they give you chocolate milk in the lunch line? Uh, so you had the choice of either bringing your lunch or buying lunch. Okay. But did you school. have, if you bought lunch, like where I, I grew up in choice. Yeah. You had, you had like a choice, either like regular milk or chocolate yes. milk and chocolate milk was a little more expensive. Yes. I think. If they, that, yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, no, please. They didn't mark it up back in my day. Uh, yeah. In back in my time. day. Like. Before these uh, eggs got so expensive. Uh, <laughs> you mean pre 2020. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's all that I would buy lunch. My mom, I love her to death, would pack me a lunch every day, a beautiful, delicious lunch. But I would often, if it was like rectangle pizza day, did you guys have those rectangle oh, pizzas that like? Yeah, yeah, of course. Of probably course. the cheese on it is like 2% dairy and the rest yeah. is like yoga <laughs> mat material. Yeah. yeah, but I, if that was on the menu or you could get chocolate milk, I would like ditch mom's lunch and go for that. <laughs> we traded, we traded a lot more our lunches because we, because like yeah. the, the, it wasn't always the greatest and there's always a huge lineup for our, our food and we only had like 30 minutes. So yes, and we wanted yes. to go out and play outside. Right. So it was like, unless you got there really quick and you were one of the first couple people in line, it wasn't worth it waiting. So you would trade yeah. your lunches because you're like, oh, my mom gave me just a regular granola bar. Oh, well, I have this I'll trade you and it yeah. trades. I got, it I've got a, uh, yeah, a raz, razzmatazz neon pink fruit roll up. <laughs> I'll trade you one of these for two granola bars. See, this is where the business um, acumen began, Mark. Phil. Yeah. I know it was long lived. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I so, digress. It's an education system. You're, we were talking about working. Yeah. We're, we're, we have that yeah. imposter syndrome because we've only been employees our full life. Right. Why? Wh what was the reason you jumped? Like, was there like you saw the end of the 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 journal, the business world that you were in? Or what was it? What what was your why to jump? Yeah. Love that question. And it's it's multiple parts. I always knew that my passion lied in, in, in educating people and empowering people. And I did that for a long time as a journalist. I always loved writing. I loved researching, uh, enjoyed speaking to teach people. I come from a long line of teachers from kindergarten age all the way up to, to doctorate level. And while I never taught in a classroom, 
what I found as I continued to get promotions within my career is I got farther and farther away from the parts of journalism that I loved. A big piece of that was being in the community and getting to do a lot of researching and storytelling. When I finished my career as an anchor, I was in a building 99% of the time, which it's a prestigious role. It's a great job, but you're no longer out with people and out being exposed to new companies and new ideas and new information every day. And that's really what inspires me to work. And it's a big piece of who I am. I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm a learner. I need that. <laughs> and as I was in my job and, and enjoying it, I started to have people ask, Christy, can you help me with, a, you know, we got a random, a wedding toast to do a wedding speech. Can you help me with this? Um, or another friend would say, I'm doing a job interview. I'm really nervous about, especially these Zoom interviews when, when they no longer were in person and every job interview was virtual. A lot of people didn't have the skills get to come across comfortably and naturally. So I'd, I'd help a friend with that. Then it elevated to some community groups asking me. Then it elevated to professional associations and, and elevated to companies. And frankly, when you are an on-camera talent, that's what it's called when you're the in front of the camera as a journalist, the company that you work for essentially owns you. They own your likeness. They control um, any activities you can participate in. You have to run it by them. If if I want to be on a, a board for an animal rescue or a children's organization that works with foster children, I have to get the approval from them to be a piece of it. And I, first of all, didn't like that because I feel at the end of the day, we all should have our freedom to pursue uh, the things that we enjoy, especially when they are generally accepted things. Nobody's going to say it's a bad thing to support shelter dogs or foster children. Oh, um, those are the worst things. Horrible. Worst You're a terrible things. person, Christy. Why would you want to yeah. do that? Wow. <laughs> and, and, and to their credit, most of the time I did get to participate, but I was limited in helping people in the big, a, a large scale. So I knew if I really wanted to have the impact that drew me to journalism in the first place, and that was that DNA thread of teaching and coaching and, and um, nurturing uh, th through through intellectual um, IP, you know, that I'm a big nerd and I love researching, I love building curriculum, that I would have to leave my job. I couldn't do that job. I couldn't do both because A, I wasn't allowed to, and B, there wasn't time. Um, so as I got more opportunities to start to do executive coaching, communications coaching, preparing people to speak to the news, be on podcasts, prepare for their job interviews, give a keynote speech. I just loved it so much. It's all I could think about. And you probably have experienced this too, where you wake up in the middle of the night. Sometimes as an entrepreneur, it's out of anxiety, right? It's, it's stressful. <laughs> it's hard. But a lot of times I'll wake up and I have an idea about something or I have a vision of, oh, this is how I'm going to help this person overcome this hurdle. I, this technique wasn't working. I'm going to try something different. And I keep looking at my clock and I'm like, go back to bed, Christy, because you need like you need to get rest to go function the next day. But I'm so excited about it that I, I just love it. by my bed because <laughs> of it. I love it. Yes. I'll yes. wake up and I'll be like, oh my God, I need to ha have this idea written down in, yeah. in the pile of books that's beside my bed. There's the notepad. And I just jot down. Sometimes it's legible. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> um, it's interesting waking up and going, what craziness did we write today? Like this was a vision, but I, uh, <laughs> please let me have this again tonight because I have no clue yeah. what this, this chicken scratch is. Um, so yeah, that was just kind of the, the process over time. I knew that, uh, it, not to sound dramatic, but I just, I would 
be shortchanging myself and the people I could help if I stayed in the safe environment that I was in. I was very, I felt very lucky to have that job. I, I, you know, busted my butt to have it. I worked every shift under the sun. I lived in multiple cities. You know, I paid my dues. I got there, but then I felt this, uh, this hole. And I, I had this moment of, I can be scared and jump and try this and at least have tried it and it doesn't work. At least I did it. Or I can continue to live in the safe space, knowing that I'm not living up to my f- full potential. And I couldn't live with, with that second choice. I, yeah, I, I feel that, that, yeah. that full potential pull where you're just sitting and you're like, I'm meant for more than this. This yeah. is not. Um, and yeah, that usually is the spark. If you don't get the spark when you're really young and growing up and just jump into it, it's later in life. You get that spark that says, yep. yeah, you're, you're meant for more. When um, it changes over time is the other piece. I, for the longest time, it was my dream to pursue that career. And once I arrived, I enjoyed it for a long time, but we wouldn't be growing if what we did, it stayed exactly the same and we were happy with it just the same. Yeah. That, that one, of, one of my core philosophies when I start hiring people is I want to, them to leave as soon as possible. Not because mm-hmm. I don't want them to work for me yeah. or I want them to get all the skills they to need to start their, to grow and then start their own yeah. thing or take it and grow into a bigger place. I don't want you to work for me forever. That's no, go, go. Boss. If that's your mindset, yeah. I think that's, that's I want you to upscale happy. and be bigger than me. I want you to be yeah. huge. I, I'm happy with where I am. I don't need to be bigger than what I need to be. Um, but we but will yes. get you on national television. I oh that 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 is that is a big goal. I've been trying it's for happening. Big Brother. So I, to be honest, I've been trying for reality TV since it's started here in Canada because you guys have it like way more in the states. But oh, unfortunately, Canada, yes. <laughs> yeah, Canada, it's only here and there, and they're looking for specific people. But I've been trying since every every year I see one, I try and apply because okay. My, Oh God! I've I'm gone so through the whole too. process of uh, working with production houses, so we'll talk <laughs> off online, offline about this. The connections yeah. are coming, people. You'll see me on. I National got you. TV. I got you, Phil. I, I don't doubt it, Christy. Um, okay, so your why was because you wanted to help people. You 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 missed that DNA strand. Going from there, you started doing more coaching engagements. You did t- talks, speeches. When when was there a moment? that you had that was like either you personally achieved something like you were standing on top of Mount Kilimanjaro or you had a client that just, just crushed something that you, that you were like, yes, this, this is what I wanted to happen. Like, do you have like maybe one or one memory for each or something that you can share with us? Absolutely. One of my favorite stories is a client that I helped who was not an engineer by training. This is an individual who had studied history as a major, but really wanted to be uh, in Silicon Valley and get an engineering job. And I don't know how much you're familiar with that that landscape, but within Silicon Valley, most engineers, I mean, they come out of the womb and they're coding, right? I mean, yeah. a lot of these people have been doing it since day one. And this client had taken a boot camp. Um, that was it a year long boot camp to get the skill set and was applying for all of these jobs and not getting them. And understandably so, because you have one year experience versus somebody who's done it for 10, 15 years uh, going for the same jobs. So I worked with him in the context of presentation skills and public speaking. And when I say public speaking, I want to make the point that public speaking is not 
just standing on a stage. We think about public speaking. I'm in front of a podium. There's a microphone. There's an audience in rows of chairs in front of us. Public speaking and presentation skills are for job interviews. Therefore, difficult conversations that you have with a partner or spouse. Therefore, collaborative conversations you have with your coworkers, getting buy-in from your boss. All of these are areas where if you know how to communicate well, it's the secret sauce that will put you above. And I shared that with my client. And what we did was work together for several months to create um, stories around what he had achieved in his previous jobs and in his boot camp work. So that when you go into these interviews and you have to give presentations, he created such interesting and memorable presentations that showed his value 360, not just as a programmer, but as a leader, that he started getting the job offers. And the first job offer that he got was for $100,000, which was fantastic. And he was really excited. He ended up after multiple rounds of negotiations through different companies because companies talk and it's who's this guy that I that I'm hearing about uh, with his be um, uh, benefits package ended up landing a gig for $240,000 after we had worked together. And that it's not about the money. I only share that to show that the external world, whether we like it or not, does put a price tag on your ability to communicate well. So when you can demonstrate that you are the expert, you're the problem solver, you're the leader, uh, you have empathy, all these skills through being a good communicator, companies want that. They want you, not only because you're technically good at what you do, but they see that you're someone who can rise through the ranks and be with their company long-term. I like that. Like, not only for your client getting that amazing, like, package, because that's impressive. But oh, I was the... jealous. I was like, can you get me a job? <laughs> <laughs> I was like... You know, uh, I, I can effectively communicate on podcasts. I can pretty much. But... We'll get you an engineering boot camp too, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just get that boot camp, year-long boot camp. What, what's it all about? But no, but I love how it went through because he was able to effectively communicate. He got an amazing offer at 100000 life-changing yeah. money for most most yes. Western people. But also because they recognized his value and other companies recognized the value that he had in that being able to present his value. Yes. Uh, from his leadership roles that it ended up bidding against each other to make it even more valuable and mm -hmm. show like it's a hundred and forty dollar like a hundred and forty thousand um, dollar skill to be able to present that because that's what he got like just yes. that just not just a hundred thousand that he got effectively because that's like oh he's an engineer like that's kind of like what we assume they make right right he made an additional hundred and forty thousand dollars because he was able to effectively communicate through what you taught him that that is that is huge and, and i and i loved the whole process because it was proof even to me that what i was doing was meaningful to people and, and it wasn't just landing the job it wasn't just getting the check but his confidence level and knowing that this is what he'd always wanted to do he felt like this dream will never happen for me because i don't have the same amount of experience I, you know, I keep, I'm the hardest worker in the room. Um, I, I stay up, stay late. I do all of this extra work, but I'm not being acknowledged. That's a thread that I hear consistently from clients and especially introverted clients. I work with a lot of people who are in STEM and they are often the most dedicated, brightest people. And they keep seeing somebody else get the job promotion. 
And they will sometimes end up on my doorstep once they once they figure out that communications is the piece of it and learn to, even if it's not in an interview, speak about themselves in their current job in a way that demonstrates their value, demonstrates their work, where it might be more natural for an extrovert, for introverts, and can be harder to talk about yourself. There's that ick factor. There's the, the fear of coming off as disingenuous, but we have to accept that largely in Western culture, especially loud America, we unfairly are biased toward extroverts. And we, if someone talks more, they often get the opportunities. And it's not about just talking though, just because you talk a lot doesn't mean you have anything valuable to say. So I always work with people wherever they are, introvert, extrovert, to make sure that their core messaging is of value and then how they deliver it, and then how they respond to people. Communications is a two-way street. You can have prepared talking points all day, but if I'm not doing a good job of interacting with you as an audience member and responding to your needs and your wants, I'm not going to get the place that I want to go because I'm not thinking of serving you as the audience. So a lot of work that I do, it, it all begins, honestly, with the audience before we ever start crafting messages or work on delivery. I love how you're audience centric first like yeah. that that's what it is who are you serving because i can be talking to anybody but if i'm not talking to the one person i made this podcast for and they know who they are they're not getting the the benefit of that now because uh i i agreed to this foolheartedly uh we're gonna flip the table <laughs> we're gonna yes. flip the table we're okay we're gonna i'm gonna allow you we're not gonna allow you you can ask as many questions this is now your show uh <laughs> christy um i am now the guest you are the host let's 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 ask some questions let me screenshot could you do that expression again <laughs> where you pull your hand across your face okay oh I, this is beautiful this is going to go on our social media. I'll send it to you first. Um, oh, so God. <laughs> one thing I suggest to people as they are becoming the new best version of themselves, you have to change the way you show up in the world. So that might even be how you're dressing, certainly how you're inhabiting your body. And I've decided to fully get in this role, Phil, that I'm going to put on my journalistic glasses to be able to, um, to oh, read, read my questions. Oh, these are terrible. I haven't used these in years. And now I feel like... <laughs> I'm getting a little bit of vertigo here, but I wanted to make it look official. Okay, Phil, first question. First of all, Phil, thank you for sitting down with me. You're I can't even welcome. see in these. These got to go. <laughs> is your is Phil better your real name or is it part of your brand? It is part of my brand. Uh, my actual name is Philip Lemire. Um, Lemire is French for the better or the best. Okay. Um, when you drop the, the le, which is like the, the, I, I can't remember the actual proper terms okay. for it, but it's the, the is the le, like we use le, la as the masculine feminine, the mm -hmm. is French has uh, masculine feminine pronouns, right. unlike uh, English. So when you drop the, the, or the le, your becomes just better. It just means better. It's not best That's anymore. Right. So, and people used to use my name, Phil, like, oh, fill the glass, fill this. But also it, it sounds when you say feel better, like to feel better. Yes. So I would, uh, and so I changed it to that because the company I was working for saw one or two tweets from me about a situation that was happening in Canada at the time and was putting people at risk. It was okay. an active shooter situation. And in Canada, 
we don't have that many active shooters. Like it becomes national news when we have active, yeah. active shooters. Um, so they were in a, a, an area where we had a call center because I worked in a call center. So I tweeted out, I'm like, I hope my at name of company, yeah. people are doing fine. And the RCMP, which is our, which is the kind of our FBI, mm -hmm. Homeland Security, CIA, if you want, whatever, um, catches the, the fucker. And because I was, <laughs> I and tagged my word choice. Yeah, I used that okay. exact word. That was the exact okay. word. I think I may have even put the mother in front of it. Okay. Uh, I can see where the story's going. <laughs> bosses saw because they got tagged and like, oh, we got tagged. Who is this person? Wow, they're What's an employee. And so it was like, okay, hey, you need to change. You have to delete this tweet and you have to delete these other tweets. And I was like, wait a second. I don't feel comfortable with that because it was my actual name, Phil Lemire. So I right. changed all my social media to feel better. Mm specifically because then it's like no that's not me like nothing has my actual name my linkedin profile is me but there's also now the the abbreviation that it's feel better uh okay. so that other people know that they can connect it but for the longest time it was just there was a separation my my profile on linkedin was phil lemure my professional uh financial institution one so for that but my all my other social media were feel better so it was this individual i created to yeah. be a character and then i just inhabit that person when i go on podcast so when i'm off podcast i am like i'm like shut in i'm like a very introverted person when i come on podcast when i'm guesting on podcast i am feel better which is just me turned to 11 um but did you say me turning to 11 yeah me turned yeah that it's oh, phil lemure oh. just turned to 11 so it's more out there more going out there more willing to do silly things say say things not great. to be and as honest as possible whereas phil lemure is more like i don't want you to know more about me it's it's I don't i'm the exact people. same and i i want to pause here to just i love this point you brought up about uh the persona a i loved hearing that story so thank you for sharing that and the, this idea of creating a persona when you are on camera or when you are your brand, it's really important. And people are afraid of, I don't want to seem inauthentic. That's not really me. But the fact of the matter is, if you are introverted by nature, there's two of us here in this room that most people would not guess that we're introverted, mm -hmm. right? When they, when they see how we show up, it's, it's imperative, especially on video, that you make things bigger, that you, you, like you said, you dial it up to the 11 or the, uh, the analogy that I use is your college roommate who you haven't seen in 10 years and <laughs> you see them across the quad. Are you going to walk up and say, Hey, Phil, it's really good to see you. It's been a while, bud. How are you? No, you're going to say, Oh my gosh, Phil, how are you? It's been forever. How's your family? Ugh. This is crazy. I'm so excited to see you. That level of enthusiasm, it feels huge, but it's necessary for the virtual medium to, to look even normal or to look even slightly yeah, because, enthusiastic. Because the minute someone puts something on TV, like we look at TV, mm -hmm. they don't have the simple conversation like we have in real life. No, it's times 10, everything's bigger. Yeah. And I actually learned this because I did theater when I was in high school. So okay. even more of it about me, I did theater. Here you go. And, yeah not even asking but i did theater and the teacher or the 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 director would always sit at the back of the auditorium mm -hmm. and say i can't hear you can't hear you i can't see you and so it's that's where i learned like okay when i'm 
I'm on camera, if I'm presenting anything, I have mm-hmm. to be next level. I have Take to care. make sure that the people in the back can hear me. And my dad actually taught me how to project my voice and my mom hates it. Um, <laughs> when you're a young child, you don't know how to control the projection. It just comes yeah. and goes. And so like, <laughs> I've learned how to project my voice and it, it's worked well in some jobs uh, that I've had because you have to clear a crowd. And if you can project without yeah. screaming, you save yes. your voice. Uh, but yeah, so that is some little tidbits about how Phil Better became Phil Better. Uh, I, your next question. Jesus. Yes. Okay. Ne- I know. I love that. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> Before podcasting, I did a little research on you and it oh. looks like you love to cook. Yes. So my question for you is, see, I told you these would be easy. I'd love to know, did you ever consider that as a profession? Question one. Question two if I were to show up at your house for dinner tonight, what would you make me that you're like, this is the meal that's really going to impress Christy? Like, what's your what's your specialty? Okay. So, so did as you consider a, it and what's your specialty? So I never considered it as a full profession um, just because I'm I my brain is so when it comes to like cooking is an art. Yes. And I've always like drawing. I've never been good at drawing. And so because cooking is an art and more specifically baking is an art, I never thought of it as a job because I would always try and be too perfect. And yeah. cooking is not about perfectionism. It's about putting your love in it. I, now I've learned that, but I would never do it because I would be just so stressed. Yes. Stressed. I love cooking for other people. I hate cooking for myself. I'll, I'll, I'll boil a hot dog and that's my supper. My I'm the same. I'll make a salad every night for dinner. But if other people are here, yeah, five oh. horses. Yeah, so if you're coming over, we're going to start with um, my favorite thing to cook is is steak and potatoes. Mm. That's that's just like my For a like, cold Canadian winter. Yeah, because like, that's going to get you food. through a cold Canadian winter. That and some, <laughs> some corn, cream of corn, you're done, right? But if you're coming over, I'm probably going to make um, my chicken Alfredo. Okay, so I don't I do, know what chicken Alfredo is, so enlighten me. So it's, it's, uh, uh, I, I make my own sauce. So I okay. create my own Alfredo sauce. Like, oh, like, a, like, a the same Alfredo sauce would be in a pasta. Yeah. It's a, it's, ah, it's so it's okay. a chicken. Alf- uh, so it's like, uh, it's pretty much just, I, I season a chicken with different barbecue spices. Cause I, I'm, all, I'm, I love barbecue. Same. I can't wait to go down to Texas and like South Carolina has some good in North Carolina. Like just, yeah. I love barbecue. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah. I, I have a barbecue rub that I would put on the chicken. Um, then I would pan fry then shove it into the oven to finish cooking, to get it nice and moist. Okay. okay. And then I would cook the, the pasta and then I would make my sauce and I would add some little, little bits here and there in my sauce. I don't like to give it away. And then mix okay, mix it all mix the pasta with the sauce and then plate it and you have that's the meal I go to with the chicken on top. So you have a nice barbecue chicken. Mm. So it's nice and tender and moist. And then you have the the pasta. That sounds delicious. And that, I love I I've, I've never heard the Canadian pronunciation of pa- pasta. Pasta. <laughs> I'm not funny. making fun. I just no, no, get- no. So I after this, I and I want my listeners and you to do it. After this, I want you to uh, Google Pasta Gate, Montreal Pasta Gate, Pasta okay. Gate, Montreal okay. Pasta Gate. Just, just, just 
Okay. Just understand how uh, interesting my 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 province is that I live in. That's all <laughs> I need you to just just that's all that's you need. That's a great hook. That's, that's a, great a great hook. All that will anybody who's in Montreal or have heard me talk about it, they'll understand why it's so funny that I bring up Pastigate. But I want you, I want to leave you and I want to okay. hear back from you and what you thought of oh, it. Oh, okay. Pastigate. I'm gonna remember pasta. I'm gonna use it this week and see how many people stop me and go, what? Excuse me? What what did she say? Okay, switching gears entirely. One thing that I experienced very quickly in my broadcasting career was the effects of social media um, on your confidence and uh, pretty much through trolls and through haters. And I'm curious for you, have you experienced it at all as a podcaster and how have you dealt with it? Um, I haven't really like on social media gotten much hate mm -hmm. um because the luckily for the me the podcasting community is very like welcoming they're very open right. they're, they're very sharing they they want to support because they want they're looking for support too so they're 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 supportive they as well yeah um this is this is a change because i've been in it a decade when it was first starting as very close gatekeeper-ish mm -hmm. But thankfully, because of the explosions we had with like Serial, Joe Rogan, mm -hmm. and COVID, people just start sharing, sharing because content mm -hmm. is now the most King. important form. So they're like, oh, I'm just going to share everything and you have to mm -hmm. pay me for the specialties. Um, I haven't. However, I have been asked, like, why should we trust you? Like, mm -hmm. I, I post articles uh, on, like, tips on how to help grow podcasts and all that. In different podcasting groups, I just give my knowledge away for free because I'm like, I don't really care because you need this more than I do. I want you to be, be as successful. successful as I am. So yeah. I share. And a lot of people are like, well, how do you know this works? It's like, well, this is I, – then I, it's then it's like I don't want to come off braggadocious because right. as a humble Canadian, that's the last thing you want. You don't want to seem like you're – you're you're boasting but it's like well i've done this this and this and here's the proof and like yes. if you don't believe me like i can put i'm tagging people you know and so that is i always come come from it with a place of uh empathy because yes. it's these people may not have don't have the same knowledge don't have the same length of time in the industry may not be doing it. like i spend most of my day at least two hours of my day reading emails about podcasts it is boring. It is very, very boring work <laughs> because most of them are all saying the same thing. Yeah. However, every once in a while you get something new and it's like, okay, how can I take this and put it into business? Or how yeah. can I take this business thing and bring it over to podcasting so that podcasters can learn about how they're, I personally think every podcast is a business. Yes. But it's not the way most people think of it as a business. I think of podcasts as like a TV show. And then above it, you have the production house that produces yes. the podcast. Most podcasters just think of their show as the business instead mm -hmm. of thinking that, no, they run a production house that produces yes. content out. So right. you run a production house. That's what you, that's what you need to focus on, build your business. And if you just look at every other production house, how they, how they produce their, their content or their mm -hmm. product or TV show, the radio then that's the simple, then you know how to do yours, how to model manage it. and model it. Yes. It's easier to copy than reinvent the wheel. Like you can right. add sparkles to your wheel. That's fine. Right. But the wheel works perfectly fine. Don't try and change reinvent it. it. 
just add your sparkles to it. So that's, that's, I don't even know what was the question, but that's. The, oh, that, no, I love all that. I was asking about uh, handling of haters and I'm happy haters, to hear that the, the haters don't exist or are limited in that space. That's, that's yeah. really refreshing to hear. And I, as, as I encourage people to create more videos, to do more live streams, to become a thought leader in a digital space, part of the resistance I get is because they're afraid of, they've seen what people write and how they respond and how they tear people down and people don't want to deal with it. So they retreat and then they don't do it at all. So I'm happy to hear that that's not what you've experienced. Um, I've experienced it a, a lot of it. So I think it's a um, certainly different audiences. It's, it's different when, um, what medium you're in, obviously the community that you're within. Mm -hmm. And it's not a woe is me statement, but I'm I'm always interested to hear the stories from people of uh, the responses they get, the access that people feel that they have to you, what they can say to you that they would never say to your face, but they're willing to do it through that digital medium. I, um, I, I also look at it as this, when someone, and it's just to keep my mind from delving down, because I've followed uh, a lot of creators who have gone blown up and gotten the hate and all this they always respond with i'm doing this you're not yeah if you don't like what i'm doing you there's the unsubscribe button you don't have to follow me Agreed. you can always start your own thing and that's how i look at it. whenever someone attacks me it's like i'm 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 ballsy enough or i'm i'm taking mm -hmm. the risk to put myself out here you're just attacking me what content and right. you go to their profile and it's usually an empty profile or it's a burner right. account and you're like okay you don't have the guts to even come at me with and Correct. show me your life so i'm not even going to take your advice sit right. down enjoy the show or get lost and yeah. i think that helps a lot more having that mindset and it takes Absolutely. a while to get to there because oh it it does and you brains are it. mean yeah. And to add to it, thank you for engaging on my page. Even if it's something with hateful, that's hateful because you're helping uh, with my metrics. So go for it. Yeah, it's, it's... <laughs> that, that's eventually the, the, the place that I got to as well Is you know what, every time you're on here, you're obviously still watching. You're obviously still engaged enough to say hateful things. Go for it. That just helps me out with my yeah, numbers. It's, so. it's, they don't realize how much more they're helping you. They're trying to put you down, Correct. but you're like, you're lifting me up. Like, yes. okay. Give me that hate. I, I yeah, despise exactly. the hate. Could you give me eight more of those? That would really yeah. be for the day. Can you get eight more yeah. of your friends? Can you get the limbs yeah, could, from yeah, TikTok could you get on? Right on my page also. That would be very helpful. Um, no, I love that. And I'm happy to hear that. Okay. I'm going to switch the subject to something that I'm fascinated by. I'm guessing okay. you are as well. Because I think we share some of this nerddom. Uh, generative AI. Ooh. Are you using any of it in the podcasting space? And if you're not... How do you see it being helpful moving forward? So I am 100% mm, using okay. it. Can you um, tell how, how are you using it? Uh, to make content. Uh, so I've been luckily enough earlier in this season, because uh, I do my podcast in season, I actually mm -hmm. talked with someone who built a AI model off of ChatGPT. So okay. the 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 open AI, open or chat GPT is just the user interface. There's the GPT right. model underneath. Right. And it's GPT model three, four is coming out, which is going to be huge. I'm really nerding out in this. I'm and you can hear that episode with uh with Mackenzie. Um he he created GPT Boss, which okay. is literally a business in your pocket. It has business coaches, it has social media coaches, it has content writers, it has awesome. a whole bunch of products on it. And 
someone I just watched recently before he came on, be, uh, this is after uh, he came on, someone did a YouTube video that was completely AI generated comparing GPT boss, his product yeah. to chat GPT. Okay. So an AI, like this is how crazy an AI generated video by using AI to voice AI text yes, and AI uh, video, like literally using the symphony or something like that, which is just people and it just moves their mouth and talks, and it's insane. Uses all that to compare AI, AI products to help business. It was, I, I'm so happy. I want to watch this. I'm excited to watch this. I am so happy that AI is here because it's, it's, taking my tasks down to instead of being hour longs to 15 minutes. Cause yes. I jump into open AI. I go, I have one chat that just specifically for one of my shows. And I'm like that intro, all my intros since November have been AI generated. I put in my prompt, I put in the bio or whatever they like, whatever the guests feed uh-huh. me in the form. And then I say, this is it. And I'm actually doing a live uh, show on it uh, in my private group. Uh, or I'm doing a webinar on how I use ChatGPT. So I definitely will send you a a little link there. I would love that because I I wanted to share on on the side of communicating. The question, of course, is, Christy, why do I need to develop anything unique? Because I can just now go into a generative AI tool. And I, I imagine you feel the same way, but stop me if I'm wrong, that it is a great skeleton from which to work. Yes. However, it is not going to replace podcasting. It is not going to replace the need to be able to write a message and deliver it with the human element and to bring color to it. Because frankly, at the end of the day, if all of us are turning to a generative AI tool to just give us the content, give us the information, it's boring and it's repetitive. The reason somebody listens to your podcast or the reason somebody wants to work with me as a coach is our unique lens and perspective we bring to it. And that will not be replaced by an AI tool, at least anytime soon. Would you no. agree with that? For 100%, the way we talk is completely different. The inflections, mm-hmm. how we can, like, I have a tool that can give you some inflections, but it's not the same range as a human voice, you know? They're creepy. You know? I've seen those where it's the the avatar <sighs> of, let me put my, I'm going to, I want to write a speech about, uh, you know, building a bookcase, just something real basic, and then record myself record a few sentences of audio and then it speaks in my voice it yes creepiest oh it is body. and i'm grateful because that means i've got a job for a while yeah like i i i fully believe like people who are able to use ai and learn the basics because like right now it's so it's like the internet when it was born like this is the next generation of the internet like that right? dial up yeah yeah the, oh god dial up my dial-up uh, but, impression wasn't as good. You you can get your voice higher. I'll have you do it. Shh, you gotta go. You have to hit that. It's the most important. Oh, noise. Sh- that, sh- sh- okay. That that is where the the millennials and Gen Xers get hit. <laughs> that we that's where we we feel the pain in our torsos. The oh, sh- I get um, it. Um, because it just throws us back. Like I just had a PTSD for a moment. Ma, don't pick up the phone. But yes. Um. <laughs> If you don't understand how to use AI for your business, mm-hmm. you're going to be left behind. Like yes. you can use it to, hey, I need a marketing plan. Let's say I can't hire a marketer. Like mm-hmm. I'm a small mom and pop business, but I can go to ChatGPT or GPT Boss and 
have an account for 50 bucks, you know, have credits there and I can ask it questions like I'm asking an actual employee. Yes. You know, and it can give me back the stuff that I can start putting in that's going to start moving in business. And then I start getting more money and then I can be like, you know what? I don't have time because my business is popping off. I need to hire a better uh, person to do my Facebook ad. So now you have the money because you use this free resource to bring in. So now it's going to be make better ads because these people have done years and years and understand how to use ads. The open AI, yeah, I can give you the framework of your ads, but it's not going to give you the nuances that these people have on like a backend analytics, understanding the analytics, tweaking it so that it works that those jobs will always be there, but for small businesses to get the start, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. And I, and I just recommended this to a client yesterday that I was working with who had a very, very small window of time to write a speech for an event. And they were trying to quickly get statistics, quickly find out some information about a few different groups that were going to be there. We used a, a couple of those tools to giving it the right prompts and the information that was gathered. It took, you know, a minute and 30 seconds versus he would have spent two and a half hours sitting down, doing the search, grabbing the information. So I'm a huge advocate of it. Um, I think that it's fascinating to me to see how it's used across industries. But for those who are saying, oh, all jobs that involve uh, communicating and um, writing and marketing are completely gone, I I wholeheartedly disagree with that. And it sounds like you do as well. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's it may look like it, but now we we can become more specialized in our tools or jack of all yeah. trades, because we know how to use it. Like if I say, I know how to use open AI to help or AI tools to help you grow your business. I'm going to be more of an asset. Cause then it's like, okay, I just have to pay you and you're going to give me the stuff that's going to help yeah. me. And you, I, I'm like, look, I don't like, I don't want to work with people long-term. I, I want to come in, you pay me, I leave. That's, that's my goals yeah. in life. And if you have Good open goals. AI skills, you know, you can do that wherever. And now it even shows more remote life can go. Cause you can become programmer in an open AI, you can create your own yes. AI models that can sell to specific businesses. So now they're paying you like, it I'm is so the excited future. to be in your webinar. <sighs> it isn't even the future. It's now. Yeah, it's now like, oh, it's so insane. Anyways, <laughs> we are we're running late. We're, and tight I on time. we're having such a good time. You did time. an A plus job with your interview questions. Thank I have a handful you. of more. But what I'm going to say is let's save it for part two. Yes. When in the future, when you're ready for your next round, you did a beautiful job. Thank you. In your interview. I, I do. I want a tip because normally yeah. I ask a tip. From my uh from my guest but i have a specific tip i want to ask we mentioned Wait. it beforehand we didn't get to a question that would actually prompt this um but maybe in the next time i can use it but if i get asked a question or one of our audience or a guest gets asked a question and they they don't want to answer it or they're not sure mm. how to answer it because you're the master of communication here you're an executive communication coach christy how would you suggest or advise someone on how to playfully or like curt around that they may not be able to answer the question. How many times have we seen a politician answer a question with information that has nothing to do with what was asked all the time? So politicians have learned this skill. I don't think that they use it in the best way all the time. But what you can use is a technique from media that's called bridging. And it's called bridging because you are building a bridge from the question that was asked to 
the information that you want to share. So when the question that's asked is something that you can't answer, you don't want to answer, what you want to do is use a bridging phrase. So I'll give you an example. If you asked me in an interview, um, Christy, I heard that one of the people that you coached was involved in a Ponzi scheme and uh, is serving time in prison. Um, you know, doesn't that make you concerned that you worked with somebody in this, this shady business? I would acknowledge the question very briefly and say, yes, George uh, Smith is in prison right now. And then I would use a bridging phrase to bring it back to what I want to talk about. So your bridging phrase might be, what's important to remember about the individuals who I coach, and then I go in to talk over here. Or I would bridge and say, the one of the things that we learned from what happened to this person in prison, and then I go to my narrative over here. So I work with people to create all of the talking points, the things that you want to share, so that no matter what you're asked, you acknowledge it briefly, you use a bridge, um, and there's another technique called flagging. That's essentially waving a big flag to get the journalist uh, attention or the host question, or just in a one-on-one -on -one conversation to say, you, you acknowledge it and then say, the most important thing to remember here, the theme that I learned from this, the big takeaway, so you're moving away from the uncomfortable question to what you want to talk about. And this is a key thing to remember when you are working with the media, if you're a guest on a podcast, if you're being asked difficult questions in an, in a pitch, in an interview, you are in control. People make the mistake of thinking the person asking the question is in control. They're not because you never have to answer it. You want to acknowledge it. You don't want to be the slimy politician that we hate and just completely not address it. But you want to navigate back to the messaging that you want to get across. Does that make sense? That That is perfect. I love it. Um, so and bridging and flagging. I love it. I love it. And uh, I'm definitely going to be cutting that part <laughs> and sharing it with my email list because that's I love it. I love it. Because I want to help as many podcasters and people coming on the show to be able to get their message across. So I think this is yes. going to be an important thing. We're coming to the last question before I jump off the screen here and let you have your time. Um, it's from Spark. Uh, as my audience knows, this is from Seek Discomfort, the, the creators of Yes Theory. Um, they just want to spark conversations with uh, people you don't know because uh, a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. And I learned a, lot, a couple episodes where that came from, and it was amazing. Uh, it comes from a streetcar named Desire. I yes. didn't know that. I've seen it's um, beautiful. It, yes. Um, so what are you currently looking forward to? So many things. <laughs> so many things. I'm looking forward to reaching people and having an impact that I can't even envision what it looks like yet. Because I think we, especially as entrepreneurs, start a business, we have an idea of what we're doing, what it's going to look like, who our target audience is, who we're going to serve. And yet the journey that life takes us on and where it drops us ends up looking entirely different. And this, this chapter of my life, especially since starting my business, has been so joyful and so energizing. I know what my life's going to look like a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. I can't even imagine. And I'm excited for that. I love that. That's the great answer. 
my God. And it's the truth. It, it, and I'm sure you've lived it too. You look back at turns and twists in your life and think, I could never have seen that coming. Oh, and yeah, that's, no. that takes away some of the anxiety and fear, I think. Not that bad things don't happen and we won't all have bumps along the way, but to know that there are so many exciting, uh, you know, experiences you haven't had, people you haven't met yet, trips you're going to take, memories that you can't even start to, if you were to to be able to look in the future and see it, it would be so overwhelming in a great way that it's, uh, you don't jump to the end of the book, the last page of the book, you just take it one page at a time, but I'm, I'm excited for some of those pages that are coming. I love that way of looking at it. You're not looking at the end of the book. You're just yeah. waiting to turn the chapter. I love it. Um, Chrissy, I'm going to jump off stage here. I'm going to let you have the last little bit. Tell my audience where they can find you, how they can support you, or even work with you. So the floor yes. is Well, yours. thank you for that. Easiest way to find me is to Google my name. So Christy Siefkin, and I know it will be in the show notes. I have a website. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm not on TikTok. Maybe I need to be, but I'll jump on there. Uh, my website is my name. It's christysiefkin.com. And I work with individuals. I work with teams. And I build custom programs as well. So any of you who are looking to level up your communications, whether it's to reach your career goals, you want to be a professional speaker, you want to improve your communications in the workplace, that is all within my wheelhouse. And I'm excited to hear from you. Christy, I can't thank you enough for coming on and providing you, so much Bill. value and asking thank me those. You for letting me interview you. I was nervous. I'm not going to lie. People <laughs> can see the 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 emails that me and Christy <laughs> sent, and it, it I, I said I was nervous. Um, and did right. She 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 did she did send me some softballs, so I was very thankful for that. So Christy, hardballs are the next time. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, but Christy, I want to thank you again for being here. Um, it's a pleasure talking and being in connected with you now as a guest. And I look forward to where you're going because I know it's going to be insanely cool. Um, Likewise. To my, thank you. Uh, yeah. To my audience, you know the, the stuff. Show notes will have all the links to connect with Christy and all that. Uh, I highly suggest you do because if you want to increase your uh, potential earnings, by learning how to properly communicate your value. She's yes. probably the best one. She's an executive communication coach. And I want to thank you all again for listening and remember to always invest in yourself. Here, here.